Jesus name. Amen. It's funny, I've taken so much of what I prepared and I just preached it raw. In this second session, I just want to talk about really loving our nation and making his story. Love this nation. And make his story. So how do we do that? Well, as we finish, how do we really carry that courageous thing? Are you okay, Helen? Are you not? You need to give me a sign because I don't know. Helen, are you ready to go? Cause... So love your nation. Make his story. So how do we develop that courageous communication? Well, I feel more and more God is just challenging us, develop a rhythm of contemplation and silence. Be still and know that I am God. Almost what I said about coming up that watchtower. I do believe it's a time of courage and speaking and letting that word flow through us. But before that word can flow through us, that word has to grow in us. And God said this phrase to me, this is a season for pregnant silence. This is a season for pregnant silence. <laughs> the alarm is going... Don't worry. Your dog's very good. He didn't even move. <laughs> my dog would have gone, seriously, what are you doing to my ears? <laughs> Pregnant silence with an alarm. <laughs> but almost that's quite prophetic in that sense of because the Holy Spirit's going, dee -dee 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 -dee. come on. Urgent, urgent, still down to hear the right thing. Can you really hear? Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. That's all that emotional area of who you are. Stillness is quite a hard thing, isn't it? How many of you find it difficult to just really disconnect and connect to God? And that's why I almost want to, to give you homework, that mean school teacher. But we need to practice the art of the presence of Jesus. How do I disconnect from all the busyness of life and still down to that pregnant, silent moment where actually I've gone through that thing of, 
oh, did I put the dishwasher on? Or how do I remember the washing? And what are we going to have for food tonight? And did I remember to get so-and-so to pick up the kids? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because so often when we're still down, we're so cluttered because we've got so many things to do that we end up checking out our next couple of hours of activity. Is that bad? No, that's normal. That's part of the process of stilling down. So don't beat yourself up about it, but just begin to decide, okay, my first five, ten minutes of stilling down is going to be offloading. So get a piece of paper and write it down. Think, okay, I need to remember the dishwasher. Did I do this? Did I send that email? Did I pay that bill? Because quite often we are so busy that that is how we wind down. Do you get what I'm saying? But then once you've finished ticking those jobs, then be still. Oh, well, I wonder how my daughter's doing. Did she do this? And then you begin to maybe worry, pray. How many of you ever does that? Well, then write it down and say, God, I'm going to cast all my cares upon you. And I quite literally do it sometimes. Father, I just give you Nicola in this situation. I give you David. Just write it down. God, I'm casting. Just offload then you can download and then be still. Okay, Father. And that practice takes time. Don't feel bad about it. Too often we just think, oh, well, I was going to pray for this hour, but I spent the first 20 minutes worrying. It's fine, but you spent 40 minutes with Jesus, which is more than you have done. Do you get what I mean? Don't let the devil always beat you up. Begin to say, okay, I'm setting this hour aside, but I'm going to offload. And actually, as you begin to learn, you offload more quickly and you become more efficient. And you break the accusation of the devil who always tells you, you don't do this very well. I will wait for the Lord. My soul now waits. And I put my hope in his word. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. That's a pretty intense waiting. You're bored. Like, come on, clock. I want to be off duty. Done enough now. Hate this night shift. You see, people who learn to wait on God are people who carry that fresh, relevant word. And you'll find yourself in the right place at the right time with the right word to bring life. Because if we don't download, how can we give the word of life? We've got to make it part of our everyday routine. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So practice and develop that art of the presence of God. Number three, I think where was number one? That was the first session. Two, three. We're going to do a few more of the second session. Three. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost weekend. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by strategy. It's not by wisdom. It's not by your reputation. It is by an impregnation of Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but there's something in me of a whole new desperation of just come Holy Spirit. I don't want to be Pentecostal in theology. I want to be a lover of Holy Spirit in experience. 
how much is the Holy Spirit really part of my life? Acts 4.31, and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Even as we prayed at the end of that last session, I've discovered that the more the Holy Spirit gets on the inside, the more a passionate fire and a clear articulation of the Word of God comes to the outside. How many of you would agree with me? One of the things that the increased presence of the Holy Spirit does is it breaks every fear. Breaks fear. The perfect love of God casts out all fear. So fear often overwhelms the full revelation of the perfect love of God. Do you get what I'm doing there? Because they're opposites. The, the perfect love, the revelation of the perfect love of God will always drive out fear. And fear will always try and drive out the perfect revelation of the love of God. Where you're fearful, you have not yet had a full revelation of daddy's love for you in that area. If you panic about money all the time, then it's because you haven't really had the revelation of how much your daddy wants to supply all your needs. Panic about your identity, then you haven't really had a revelation of how much your daddy in heaven looks at you and says, you are amazing. And as that Holy Spirit comes and impregnates you with the love of God, it breaks every fear and you boldly speak. You start to begin to change the way you talk about yourself and talk to other people. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so this Pentecost weekend, some of you need to just press in to God and say, now totally fill me in this area. How many of you are aware in your own life you've got trigger areas? Where when someone touches that, what comes out you're not really that proud of. And that's where Holy Spirit needs to impregnate. Let him soak it, saturate it with a new revelation of the daddy's love for you. So that when you get squeezed, Holy Spirit flows. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you more. Because once you've encountered him, it floats. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who then confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Again and again through Scripture, you discover this sequence. Once the Holy Spirit really fills you and begins to overflow, it touches your mouth first and you begin to speak boldly, and then you begin to act boldly. I know in my psyche, maybe just the coward in me, I love to pray for someone, and I hope the miracle will happen. Then I don't have to speak too much because it's already happened. How many of you know what I'm, I'm talking about? And so we often we excuse ourselves. Well, if God just raised them out of the wheelchair, if God just healed them of the cancer, then it would be obvious. But did you know that the biblical pattern far more, especially through the Acts of the Apostles, is you speak, then I will do. 
And so God says, you step out of that water and begin to speak for Jesus. Then I will accompany your words with my signs and wonders. In other words, God says, I'll back you up when you move, rather than I'll move first and then you can just give a little explanation. That's not actually the way God works. But it's the way often in the British church we like to look at signs and wonders. And we have lots of prayer meetings. I hear all the time, God, if you just hear this person of cancer, it would be such a witness in the hospice and this and that. And then we'll be able to testify. Actually, the biblical way is you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You step out and speak. And I will accompany you. You stretch your hand. I'll stretch my hand. How many of you know that that is true? You see, this is what I mean. It's a time for courageous communication. And so God's asking us, step out, break the sound barrier, move out of your comfort zone, be ready to look foolish for Jesus. How many of you have discovered when you've stepped outside, especially the church, sort of your secure place and done something that you know God said to you, it's often been much easier than you thought. Put your hand up if that's true. Put it right up and keep it up. Now, please look around. It's not the old school. You're allowed to have a lot jolly look good look. But if you look around, I would say, what, 80%, 90% of this room is saying, how many of you were terrified when you did it? Keep your hand up, me included. I hate it. But how many of you found that once you did it, it was great? And so, you see, we've got to break that sound barrier of intimidation. And the word of God is, go out in the Holy Spirit, do what I've commanded you to do. I will back you up. We are not God's backup. God in his graciousness has said, I will back you up. Isn't that amazing? And I wonder if sometimes the reason we see so little is because we're so on our butts, lazy, we sit saying, oh God, please go and do it out there and we'll catch you up later. And God's saying, no, get off your butt, go do it and I'll come and work with you. Healing on the streets. My dear um, Gordon, my husband, he's in Bergen this week and with Bill Johnson, there's a conference there with Joseph Garner. So he's in Bergen with one of the churches we work with very closely there. It's their first big conference. So they said, Daddy, come help us. So he's there. <laughs> and I'm obviously here with you. But um, Gordon has a real heart for evangelism. And he's pretty fearless, bold. And I remember in January, it was about 2010, 9, 10. It was that really, really freezing winter. Can you remember when we just seemed to get snow and ice the whole time? I think it was 2010. And um, so this was Oxford. We'd done all our healing on the streets training. And of course, because it just was logical, but looking back at it, totally illogical. We did the training from September to December. And then the new term starts. So of course, we're going to go action it. The next term, which happens to be January, which is the coldest time of the year. And the first week of this was going to be January the 10th, which happened that we had more snow in Oxford than we'd seen ever of living there. And it was minus, what was it, minus eight or something, horrendous. 
And so we took little metal chairs like these out with the, the sign, expecting people to sit down on a metal chair. <laughs> and great woman of faith that I am looked at Gordon and said, I'll stay at home. <laughs> you can go to the team. Well, he didn't come home for four and a half hours. And I thought, he's just gone off to have coffee with one of the mates. So when he finally did come home, I said, what have you been doing? He said, healing on the streets. I said, why? He said, because we were going to. I said, did anyone come? He said, we had 78 people sit down and have prayer. At minus eight degrees on metal seats from the streets of Oxford. And I said, why? He said, people are hungry. There was a young lad of 16, he'd smashed his leg up. So Gordon just saw him and said, come sit down. We'd like to pray that Jesus would heal your leg. And he said, well, if you're doing a prayer for me, Gov, could you pray for my old man? So Gordon said, well, you can have two prayers. You know, he's, <laughs> so he said, why? He said, well, I got the leg because my old man, he has a drinking problem. He shoved me down the stairs where I tried to stand in the way of him bashing up my mom. He said, I'm not too worried about my leg, it'll be okay, but I'm worried about my dad and my mum. And so Gordon just began to talk to me. He said, that guy sat in the freezing cold with virtually no more than jeans and a t-shirt with his um, broken leg. And just put his head on Gordon's shoulders for over half an hour, sobbing. God did a miracle for that young man. But you see, if Gordon hadn't had the courage to go out at minus eight in Oxford on the streets and make an opportunity, then go walk up to the guys he walked past and said, I've got a prayer for you, nothing would have happened. We need to go out boldly. You see, I believe it's time to write his story in our neighborhoods. Come on, let's. Rotherham and Sheffield and all this area write history for England. Come on. We don't want the headlines of 2015 to be Rotherham, the abuse center of Britain. Come on, we're going to reverse that. And let go, as we begin to walk out, let this amazing God work out. And let's write history. John 12, 32. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. You see, I believe it's time to lift up a Jesus standard. It's a little bit what I said in the beginning. You can see I've preached it and now I'm putting a bit more teaching into it. But you see, I just feel such a passion. Come on, let Jesus be seen in this land again. We need Jesus in this nation. Often people ask me, well, what do you do? What's your job? Because I'm on the airline so much. They say, what do you do? And I say, well, I work for a non-profit organization or a charity. What's that? Heart cry for change. What's that? What's your heart cry? Chat to them a bit. And then finally they get that there's a spiritual thing. So they say, so what are you? You know, I don't say I'm a Christian anymore. Why? Because then you have to explain what sort of Christian. It gets awkward and complicated, anyone being there. I don't say I go to church or I'm a church person anymore. Why? Not because I'm embarrassed, but in that first bit of conversation, I don't. Why? Because I hate having to explain, well, not that sort of church, not this church thing. Because all that does is create the disunity. What I've begun to say is, well, are you one of those religious people? And say, yes, I'm a Jesus person. You know, immediately they get it. 
And either I get you effing whatever, you get a very strong reaction, or you get, I've been thinking about God. What, what, is, what do you mean by a Jesus person? Because you see, once we lift up Jesus, there's a distinctive. How many of you get what I'm saying? As soon as we say, I'm a Jesus person, it's like immediately, it's like, Yes or no, it's black and white. There's no fudging it then. And I believe it's really time to say, I'm a Jesus person. And I believe as we lift up that name, it does something in the heavens above and the earth beneath. I believe the devil is frightened of that name of Jesus being lifted up. Why in our nation is so much said in so much mockery against Jesus? I don't know if you've noticed this, but as part of my role as a minister, I have the privilege of praying for people in mental health institutions. And often as I go into those institutions, I don't know, maybe it's a presence I carry, but I seem to stir up the demonic stuff. And I've walked into that thing and I've had people, you know, swearing you bloody, mm -mm -mm, Jesus, uh, going on at me. And I had one of the nurses say, what is it about you? And I began to realize that a lot of our mental health issues are not just purely psychological, they're spiritual, and we need to recognize what is demonic tormenting spirits and what is true mental health, because we've got it all confused. And the interesting thing I've noticed is never, even when they're a Muslim person and they're known to be Muslim, have I had a Muslim come up to me and say, you effing, etc., Muhammad. A Muslim person will come up to me and go, you effing uh, Jesus. I've never had them swear at me about Buddha. I've never had them swear at me about Muhammad. Even when that is their faith, they always go ranting at me in the most disgusting, sexually perverse language with Jesus. And how many of you say, yeah, that's true? So hello, can we please wake up? We lift up the name of Jesus. The devil doesn't like it. The devil does everything to bring the name of Jesus into mockery. And we have a serious demon problem in Britain. And the church has been given the mandate and the authority to say, be still, be silent in the name of Jesus. We shut you up. Loose them. Let them go free. We break every bondage in Jesus' name. But I do believe it's time we lift up that blood of Jesus to release people from torment. And some of it, of course, has got a physical and a mental outworking. But I believe there's spiritual roots that we need to cut as well as serve their physical emotion. How many of you get what I'm saying? And I think by denying some of that, we've got our heads in the clouds or in the sand, whichever level you want to go. But as we lift up that name of Jesus, something is going to shift. And in my heart, one of the things I want to shift more than anything else is mental health in our nation. 
Amen. Why don't you put your hands to heaven for just two minutes and pray. Father, will you shift? Come on, just ask Jesus. Father, we want to see your name lifted high. We want to see a shifting of mental health issues across Britain at this time. We pray that you break every chain and every yoke. We pray that you deliver those who have been so tormented by the wretched devil who's just literally set them crazy mad. We're asking now in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name, let there be breakthroughs. Let the church come alongside the medical practitioners and really see people set free in Jesus' name. We pray for the breaking of drug addictions, alcohol addictions, other things that have gripped people, Father, and that there will be a loosing in Jesus' name. We want to loose it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've said, I've just been in America. One of the places I went to just outside Harrisburg in Pennsylvania was the battleground of Gettysburg. I don't know how many of you have heard that, but it was a famous battleground for the Civil War where the Unionists and the Confederates were fighting. And there's a little hill there called the Round Top Hill, which was high ground, which the Unionists stood on. And they had about 200 men. And the Confederates were about 20,000 men. But they were in the valley, and the Unionists were on Little Round Top. They had 60 rounds of ammunition each. But against all the odds, they staked the high ground. And they would not let go. And the Confederates came at them one time, two time, a third time. And by the end of the third time, they had no ammunition left. And it was literally hand-to-hand fighting with bayonets. But they held the line. Because they've been told, if you let the line break, this is the end. And with incredible courage under a leader, they held the high ground. And the Confeds, after three times, thought, it's getting dark. We've got a lot of men. Let's go back to camp, regroup. We'll do it again in the morning. But what happened overnight was reinforcements came to the Unionists. And that became known as the turnaround moment of the battle. And as I was there and God, God spoke to me and said, I want to put a new determination in the British church to hold the high ground for Jesus Christ. And you see, they had to run at it one time, two times, three times, but they, then they gave up and went. But I wonder if we've got that determination and that courage to just stand and having done all, stand and keep standing on the moral high ground, on the whole social high ground of Jesus. And say, no, we're not giving up. We might feel we've lost everything. We don't have the ammunition. We don't have any power. But I believe just by standing on the high ground of Jesus and saying, no, this is your ground. This is your ground. We won't give up. This will be a turnaround year for Jesus in the nation. And God's looking for courageous people. Will you lift up the standard and not let go? It's time to take that high ground. I felt also I was reading about a man called David Morgan Powell, who is the pastor of Rotherham Baptist, 
Pentecostal church here. And who worked with Smith Wigglesworth? I just did some research about signs and wonders in this world of America. And as I just read some of the stories of how he worked alongside Smith Wigglesworth to see the dead raised, cancers broken. And actually, he had a real heart, this David Powell, um, for the mental health. To really see people break out of just dementia and mental health illnesses. And I just felt something in me rise up. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. And from what I read, you most probably know more. He died in 2001. So it's 14 years. Double seven. And I just believe, come on, Rotherham, it's time to pick up a mandate of a mantle of a man called David Powell and who stood for signs and wonders out of the north, out of Rotherham, and just say, do it again. Do it again. We want to open some wells. There's something very strong about that. Pardon? Yeah, the wells have been blocked up. We need to open it. You know, often we think raising the dead is a bit of a fantasy, but you're very, very close to literal geography where the dead were raised less than 100 years ago. In Britain, documented, absolutely evidenced. Isn't that amazing? God's done extraordinary things up here in this north, slightly east area of the nation. God spoke to me again while I was in America because in Pennsylvania you've got York and Lancaster just 11 miles away from each other. And so we were just drove through Lancaster to minister one church and York was just down the road. And as I saw York and Lancaster, the white and the red roses, I just felt God say, I'm going to join the west and the east of Britain. And the red rose representing the Father's love is going to be presented to Yorkshire so that the brokenness of Yorkshire will be healed by Daddy's love from over from Lancaster. But the bride of Christ is the white rose. The beautiful bride is going to arise in Yorkshire and is going to provoke England to jealousy. Come on. Come on, Yorkshire. Provoke us. Show us what church should look like. Let the white rose. And, you know, the battle of the roses should be over. Let's put the white and the red back together. The Father's love and the bride of Christ. It's a new day. It's a new day. So I believe that God wants us to recognize the door. This is a time of open doors. All across America, as we checked into the various hotels, this was our hotel key card again and again and again put in our hands. I don't mean one hotel. Hotel after hotel. And that was the key card. Rachel Hickson, open doors. I mean, normally it says Holiday Inn or Hilton or Marriott or thing. It was this. And it, how many was it? Three, four? Four, I think. Four hotels, that key card given to us. 
and Holy Spirit's, but you know, you don't have to be really very prophetic to start getting that God's trying to say something. When every time you turn up a desk and they give you a card, open doors. I said, okay, God. And I said, which doors do you want to open? He said, no, there are open doors. This is a season of open doors of opportunity. There's great opportunities opening for you. Revelation 4, I'm nearly done. Read this with me. And after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. I will show you what will take place after this. You see, I believe it's an incredible time of opportunity. God's saying, come up. I want to show you what I want to do in Britain. In a pregnant silence, come on, be still. Know he's God. Download. But I also believe God wants to show you through the open door from heaven to earth what he wants to do in Rotherham, Yorkshire, the north, England, Great Britain. He wants to show you the fingerprints of God and give you courage. Recently, God spoke to me when we were in Seattle. I mean, literally, America's been such a time where God spoke to me about this nation. And I just want to read this to you because I've written it mostly more succinctly than I would say it. And God spoke to me and said to say to you, it may feel like you are walking in circles and keep arriving back in the same point again and again. But God wants you to see through his open door a new perspective. For although you are walking in a circle and arriving back at the same point, you are not at the same level. For you have walked up a level, and I have a different place of influence and authority. So although the devil has said to you, you're just walking round and round in circles, you are shifting and changing the geography because you're walking up a level. And recently when I was at the Space Needle in Seattle, I suddenly found myself doing exactly that. You pick up your ticket and you walk. And as you walked round, I suddenly realized we were in a long line, but we weren't walking flat. It was slightly optical, exactly. And so you just kept walking in this line. And every time you looked out the window, you were looking at the same view of the city, but you were getting higher and higher and higher. And the perspective changed and the view changed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And God wants to say, that's what you are doing. You are circling in the spirit situations. And God said, this is not a time to be discouraged, but have a new perspective and realize you're at a higher level of influence and authority. Just wait, and suddenly the door will open. How many of you say, yeah, that makes sense. I can just immediately see. So say to a friend, now is not a good time to give up. I need to press in. Hold fast and execute 
Amen. So here we go, last scripture. And I want to pray this for you. Colossians 4. Maybe you can just stand. I want to literally pray it over you. Father, I want to bless every single person here. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit. Right now, receive. I want to pray that a new spirit of Jesus will come upon you that will enable you to proclaim his word clearly. This comes from Colossians 4, verse 4 to 6. I want to pray for an incredible wisdom to come upon you so that you have the wisdom to act in the right way towards every non-Christian and that you are able to walk through Every door of opportunity put in front of you. Receive the grace of the Lord. Right now on Pentecost weekend, receive grace. And I want to pray that your conversation will always be full of grace. Release a graciousness, a kindness, a compassion upon the church, Jesus. I want to pray that we'll carry a distinctive of the salt and the light. That people will know we're Jesus' people. And Father, I finally pray that you will make us incredibly articulate so that we can answer every question asked. That's your promise here in Colossians. And you will know how to answer everyone. So we receive it right now. Just receive it. Remember, Father, we receive now a supernatural favor, a supernatural ability to be attractive to non-Christians. We receive grace. And Father, I just ask you for open doors. Open doors of opportunity. In our neighborhood, in our workplace, and in our family. In our neighborhood, in our workplace, and in our family. Great grace be upon you. So, Father, we just ask. We've prayed quite a bit today. But fill me in you. Fill me in you. If anyone is hungry or thirsty, let him ask. And you will receive. Just ask. And I want us to just do something. I just feel that we need to speak in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. Just pray right out loud. Maybe some of you can't yet release your language. Well, just 
begin to make a sound. It's like a baby. Ba, 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 ba. No, 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 no. You just open your spirit and just begin to believe. I've got a spirit sound in my being. Just open your mouth. You actually have to make a sound, and then the Spirit of God begins to flow through your mouth. So, just create a spiritual atmosphere in this room. Father, we just relay heaven on earth. We open up heaven for this evening. We thank you, Father. We're here to do work for you. I want you to call in every soul, everyone to get saved. Just open that spirit, man. Just let your tongues just flow, that heavenly prayer language. Talk to God. Oh, we love you, Lord Jesus. All that's within us cries out. You are so good. You're so great. You're so worthy. More, more, more. <laughs> so we thank you for your spirit resting. I pray even tonight, let it rest. Literally in the sleeping time, let it rest. I really believe God's going to open doors for some of these things that just felt so utterly shut. The Holy Spirit's got oil. It's like, it was just, I had this strange picture just then. He said, I've got WD-40. And it was just like, there's things that feel so tightly locked, but you know how you can, in the natural, just think this thing's never going to shift. You just put some in and then suddenly it's like, oh my goodness, it's just moved. Ooh. So in the spirit. <sighs> Stuff that looks so stuck in the natural. The oil of the Holy Spirit is going to shift. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, we love you, God. If you tell we love you. you. Thirsty, give someone a huge hug. Say, I'm excited for Jesus. There is freedom. If you tell Everybody say it. 